Welcome to the Harvest Center. Harvest Center. The 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 Harvest Center. Welcome to the Harvest Center. We're glad you're here today. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Please take your seat. Good morning. Nice to see you all. Uh, good morning to also to those who are following us from home. Um, if you're not doing well physically, we're going to pray for you this morning. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's good to see you in church. It's good to see you uh, in a place where we can get together and worship God. Today we've got a few guests. We've got Dan and Stacy. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, some, uh, they are actually old friends of this church. Um, they used to be in the church over 20 years ago and worked along with Ken and Val. And they're here visiting. We'll hear a testimony um, from Dan. And as well, we, we have Naomi and uh, Vladut, uh, friends of, of me and Anna. Uh, he's pastoring a church in Bromley, and he's going to speak for us today. He's going to bring the Word of God uh, today. Good to see you here. I'm telling you, this week has been hard. It has been so hot. You know, they are doing some work in the building. They have removed the air conditioning units. And you know what it looks upstairs when there is no air conditioning unit. The other day I had 37.5 degrees in my office. So basically I relocated here uh, with, with my desk and do what I had to do. Uh, and the week has been so hot. I feel home. I feel like I'm in Italy. It's like, that's not England. It's like, what is going on here? But hey, oh, before the cold comes, you know, when it rains, we complain because it rains. When it's cold, we complain because it's cold. Let's enjoy the heat and let's have some, uh, you know, uh, I feel like I'm slow cooking at some point. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, good, it's good, good weather, good to enjoy. Now, before we start, I'm just going to share something from the Bible as I often do. And um, it's a psalm of David, it's a psalm of victory. And I'm just going to read the first uh, 10 verses of Psalm 9. It says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my right, uh, uh, my right and my cause, sitting enthroned as the righteous judge. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. Endless ruin has overtaken my enemies. You have uprooted their cities, even the memory of them has perished. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the people with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in time of troubles. And this was a psalm of victory that David wrote how one of the many times that God had delivered him from his enemy and I, I enemies and I like how he started just by giving praise uh, to the Lord and, and by you know giving thanks to him for what he has done for him and then it ends by saying you know all those who trust in God you know they can find refuge in you and it's very comforting for us to know that the one who lives in us is stronger than the one who, who lives in the world wherever we are we can actually find refuge in God. We can find comfort in God. And I want to encourage you today, if you're here and there is any um, heaviness in your heart, any burden in your heart, today there is someone present among us 
the Lord Jesus Christ, someone in whom you can find refuge, someone in whom you can trust. doesn't matter your circumstances. Why don't we all stand and just uh, uh, let's open this service by uh, giving thanks to the Lord and because He is good. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God. We praise your name, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, because you are wonderful. We thank you, Lord Jesus, because in you we are victorious, Lord God. When you died on the cross, you said it is finished. The war was over. There is victory in you, Lord God. We thank you because you are our refuge. We thank you because you are the one in whom we can trust, Lord God. And I pray, Holy Spirit, as you are here among us today, you are in each one of us, Lord God. And I pray for the service as all the different parts will unfold, Lord God. We don't want to do things just out of habits. We don't want to do things just because there's a schedule to follow. But we want you to speak to us. You want you, Holy Spirit, to minister to our life, to touch our life, Lord God. You know the secrets of our hearts, the secrets of our mind. You know each one of us, Lord God. And I pray, may your word today be a seed that falls in a, in a, in a soil, that in, in, in a ground that is ready to receive. And that where something will grow in it. So we thank you, Lord God. You are wonderful. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You know, you know church, we, we serve a holy God. You know, sometimes we, maybe we don't think a lot about it. The holiness of our God. A holy God that somehow in his love and grace has invited each one of us into a relationship with him. Christ came to forgive our sins and through him we can access the presence of God, the holiness of God. And then there is this holy God that somehow with his presence now abides in our life. He lives in us. And he is inviting us, children of God, to walk with him a walk of holiness so i just want to invite you maybe you know you you haven't been thinking a lot about it but one of the reasons why also jesus came was of course to die for us but as well he set an example for us to follow a practical example mm -hmm. and i want to invite each of us here to think about the holiness of god and this holy walk that he is inviting us to walk along with him and if there is anything in your life that is contaminating this holiness, is, you know that is there between you and God today. I want to invite you to bring this at the cross of Jesus. Where you can find grace, you can find a new start. And God can give you new strength to walk in holiness. We serve a holy God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Because you are wonderful, you are, present, you are present among us today. We thank you because your plans for us are good. Your purposes for us are good. Help us to walk with you, God, in the purposes that you already prepared for us. We thank you, Lord God. And uh, we pray as well for the people right now who are at home, suffering. Um, the people who are sick, Lord God. 
Holy Spirit, I just pray that you will stretch your, your, your hand, your presence might reach them out, might bring healing to their bodies, might bring peace, might bring strength, Lord God. I pray for all the people who are struggling, maybe with mental problems, with mental issues, with uh, depressions, with other things. I, I, I pray for freedom in Jesus' name in their minds. We pray for people out there who do not know you yet, God, and are maybe there thinking about uh, putting an end to their lives. They're there thinking, is there more to life? than what I'm experiencing right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will reach out to them, that you will call them out and attract them to you, Lord God. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, because you are in the business of changing the lives, of transforming the life of people, Lord God. Thank you, because one day we will see you face to face. What a great, what a great day is going to be that day. We thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Please do take your seat. Oh. And the melting continues. <laughs> okay, good. So why don't we go into the testimonies, you know, uh, straight now. Dan, if you want to come here, you can present yourself. And if you're wondering why you're here, it's his fault, Ken. He said that you really wanted to share something. <laughs> come, come up here so that the people home will, will see. Wow. Can you hear me? Okay. All I can say is wow. I moved to England. I'm sorry. Is this emotional? My five minutes hasn't started yet. <laughs> Bear with me. <sighs> my dad's a pastor. Grew up in church all my life. Most of my teenage years, I ran from God. My early 20s, ran, running from God. Can I come down here around y'all? And moved here in 2005. And in 2006, a friend of mine that I work with, Mike Willing, Willingham, invited me to church. At that time, it was Brandon Full Gospel, and we were in a school close to here, wasn't it? And, it, and we would have we would have Sunday service in the school, and then we'd uh, go to Milden Hall and have service in the evening. My very first service, I was standing in the back, and as worship was going, y'all have beautiful worship. As worship was going, I heard a voice. Not audible, but I heard a voice inside of me that said, this is the last time I'm calling you. I came immediately to the altar, Ken and Jim and Anise. And from that day forward, my life has never been the same. <laughs> Smith Wilworth said, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man without one. Yeah. 
So when people tell me sometimes that there is no God, I just sing that song to them. I know He lives because He lives within my heart. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man without one. We had church for probably a year or so. And then my dad comes over and is preaching for Ken. And Val reminded me of this earlier. Sunday night at Mildenhall. By the way, he's, uh, he had never been to England before. So when he was preaching, I have to say this. Uh, he was up here preaching and he was talking about how he wore his suspenders. <laughs> that doesn't translate very well. Which we learned later. later. Suspenders. <laughs> But while my dad was preaching, in the middle of it, he stopped and he said, God's going to give you a building. It wasn't too long after that until God gave us this building. And there's scripture all over this building where we put it, we helped my generation, and I'm not boasting about this, I'm just saying it was, it was a blessing to be a part of this and to build this, and it has changed so much. But I don't know why I'm feeling this way this morning. Maybe because uh, just the emotions of being back. But I want to encourage you with something. If any of you have children, friends that are lost, don't stop praying for them. This church is a special place. And I don't know why God is putting this on my heart, but let me ask you a question. Is there anybody here that got saved in this church here? Can you raise your hand and show me who you are? You and among others, we prayed for you. My generation of people prayed for you. The generation of, that I was here in this church with, we prayed and prayed. About, we prayed for salvation. That was our cry. That was our heart. And to see this and to see what this has come. I remember when we hung these flags. These flags. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But you have something special here. I've been gone 22 years and I've come back and there's something special about this, this place. That you don't have this kind of worship in where we're at. Anymore, Church is entertainment to people. There's no reverence. There's no awe. Do not lose what you have. Press in. Continue to press in. And God will do things with you that you never imagined before. You've never imagined. And don't let me be remiss today. I want to introduce you to my wife, Stacy. So, and she's beautiful. Brought her all the married me a Texas girl. Brought her all the way here with me and all that. And her first time in England. But I just want to say thank you for having us here, Ken and Val. Ken, Ken is my spiritual father, uh, and my dad loves loves Ken. We're trying to get him to come visit us in in, in Texas. It's too hot though. You have to come in the winter. It's 110 degrees when we left. Where we're at, yeah, 43 Celsius, I'm sorry, I forget some of the things, but anyway, let me encourage you that God is good, God is good, and He is only a prayer away, He is, He's, He's there, He's with you, He walks with you 
every day. Amen. Thank you so much. The work that God does in the life of people are wonderful. I love to hear stories, uh, to see how people call, uh, God called different people, different backgrounds in different ways, and how he works his uh, uh, wonderful works in, in, in the life of people. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. Um, now, before moving on, I just wanted to, before passing the mic to Sarah for the notices, I just want to introduce you to something that we're going to do um, starting in the first week of October. Now, from October leaving, uh, leading up to Christmas, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, we will stop the normal home groups that we do, uh, the weekly home groups. Instead, we're going to meet all together here on a Wednesday night. Uh, 7 o'clock, 7.30, time is still to be uh, defined. Um, and we will do together uh, what, what is called is the Bible course. Um, is, has been, uh, this Bible course has been um, um, published by a Bible society, which is a, a, a great Christian organization. They've got a, lo a lot of good material. And um, it's going to be, uh, you can invite also people that, you know, are not from the church. Because what we're going to do in this course, we're going to, learn more about the Bible. So it gives, um, it gives us an overview of the entire Bible. Sometimes, I know that we shouldn't be that kind of people, but even sometimes even as Christians, we, we don't know our Bibles, how we, sh how we should. You know, why, what are the, you know, Psalms, Proverbs, is the poetic books, why is that? What, you know, what kings, judges, you know, and we, we get a bit confused. So what this course does is a seven-session course. It just divides the Bible in seven blocks. And, um, and there is a, a video that is gonna, we're going to play every, every, um, every meeting. It's about 25 minutes videos. There are some easy questions that, to answer. Uh, so we're going to divide. We're not going to sit like we are now. We're going to do like small clusters of chairs with small group of five, six people in each group. And then we have a, a, we're going to have a conversation together. Uh, so come along. Um, the church, we're going to also buy these booklets, which are very well designed. And um, we're going to, you know, they, they cost us about five pounds each. Uh, you can have it for free, but if you feel like, if you can, and you want to help us to cover the cost and to cover the book that you will receive, you can, uh, you can give us the, uh, five pounds to cover the, the, the price of the booklet. Um, so we're going to, uh, from this week, we're gonna, I'm going to start taking names because I need to order this book. So I want to have an idea of approximately how many of you can come on a Wednesday night. And that's going to be uh, the... the 4th of October, yeah, so Wednesday the 4th of October is going to be our first, our first uh, meeting together, and the first session is brilliant, I already watched it, it speaks about how the, how the Bible was put together, why is the Bible reliable, you know, all these interesting bits and pieces, and then from session number two, we look into creations, the exodus, and, and so on, uh, so please uh, do uh, come and let me know if you want to attend um, Wednesday night, 7 or 7.30, yeah, that's the time, and it's going to last for approximately one hour and 15 minutes, the whole, the whole, um, the whole session. Now, um, I think I can pass the mic to, to Sarah if you, for the other notices. Quick, quick. Okay. All right. So I've only got dates for your diaries. So, 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 ladies, don't forget October the 21st, 
Flourish is relaunching. So we are still communicating with various individuals, making sure we've got everybody on board. So that is a Saturday afternoon here at church, and it's an outreach afternoon, so plenty of opportunity to get guests in. And yeah, we'll have a great time. So it's going to be very girly, very lovely. So put that in your diaries. Um, and then Alpha is beginning very soon. So, so, so we now have some nice official little invitations that you can give to people rather than just talking to them. Give them an invitation. Let them put it on their fridge. It is going to begin on Thursday, the 28th of September, um, 8 o'clock in the evening. So they've got the time to come in from work, have dinner, come out and be part of a great thing. Right. The app says different. Good. Right, we'll just change that. Beg your pardon. All right, it's going to be 7.30, which is still a bit later. Fine. Uh, so there we go. Make sure you invite people to that. And, yeah, see Jane, Gav, or Joe and Jeff if you want any more information. Is that correct? Good, good. All right, and then one other date for your diaries. Anybody who is involved with any children's work. So that is the youth, that is the kids, that is Kids Zone, that is like Sunday school. Um, we need to catch up and get up to date with our safeguarding training for you peoples. All right? So everybody is included in that if you are involved in ministry in that way. It will be on Saturday the 14th of October. All right? It will be here. They are quite long sessions, but we're going to do our best to get through it. So we're going to start at 9 o'clock. So, yes, come keen, come ready. The sooner we start, the sooner we finish. So, 9 o'clock on a Saturday. Oh, they don't. Mm, there'll be refreshments. You have to bring your own pack lunch. Put a donut in your own pack lunch, Pastor. You'll be happy. Okay, so, yes, it is for, yes. So, please, any questions on that, see Joanna. Are we taking names or are we just? Okay. Oh, Okay. Yes, if that's something you see yourself doing, if you think about signing up for the youth, because don't forget, we still need youth workers um, or children's workers. So if that's something you want to be involved in and you haven't done yet, one of the things you will need to do in order to do that will be safeguard training. Okay, so that is great. Give your names to Joanna for that so we can know who's coming. But yes, Saturday the 14th at 9 o'clock here. Please, please. Well, it's a joy now to, for me to introduce my... Good friend Vlad, and uh, I was thinking yesterday, how long have we known each other? You know, I was trying to go back because we met at a Bible college, and I, I thought it was 2011, but he corrected me this morning, it was 2012. I was there, so we've known each other since, you know, uh, 11 years, yeah? And um, he came to study at the Bible college in 2012 when me and Anna were there involved as a staff and lecturer, and... Um, I think, you know, no, I think I remember uh, hearing the testimony of, of Vlad in the chapel. And it was one of the testimony that, um, you know, really stayed with me. Uh, maybe he can share a, bit, a little bit more if you want to, some more details. But he didn't, even, he didn't have an easy upbringing up with his uh, parents. And he ended up as well in the orphanage right, for, for some time. And, um, uh, and I was listening, listening and and I was already back then, I was saying, it's good to see how God now led him here at the college, at the Bible college to study the Bible. And I was thinking, and, you know, no matter where we start, you know, God can take anybody. 
he, God loves to take anybody who is open, who he allows him to work in, 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 in their own life and can change stories into something beautiful. And now, 11 years after, he has been pastoring a church in Bromley near London for a number of, of years. And uh, we kind of see each other every time there is something going on at the graduation, at the IBTI, like graduations, for example. Um, but last time we, we saw each other, um, the last graduation, the college, uh, we said it would be nice. Maybe, you know, uh, if you maybe come here and share something with us. Uh, so it is a joy to introduce Vlad. Why don't you come up here? And um, we're looking forward to hear from you and what God has placed in your heart. Thanks. No pressure, right? <laughs> so, before I, uh, I start, I want to share a word for you too. Now, I must admit that while Samuel was introducing you, I was asking Anna if I can do that, because I want to respect, obviously, the leadership of the church. So, now because I heard a bit about your testimony, I know even more that it's true, <laughs> that it's from God. And what I saw is uh, both of you at an intersection, having traveled a long road, but moving into a new season and about to walk on a new road. And one of those, one of the questions you, I feel like you had, whether you ask it out loud, or it's, it's one of those questions that is deep in your heart that it's only between you two and God, because there are some of those questions. And I feel like, God, will it be the same like before? And I feel like God's saying, I am the same like before. God is. You're not. And the road that you're about to walk on is not, but it's better. And I had this word from, uh, one, from 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. It speaks about the sons of Issachar, so 1 Chronicles 12, 32. It speaks about the sons of Issachar, and they were part of the great army of David, right? The kind of guys that David was taken to war. And they are described as, verse 32, they are described as people who understood the times and knew what Israel ought to do. And I feel like these two things are for you. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to impart a fresh gift of discernment for the season you're about to walk into. And wait until you get the wisdom from the Holy Spirit to know the season you're going into, and then you'll know what you ought to do. And I feel like God wants to share this for you, and as you step in, as you're courageously following God's God and the Holy Spirit's God, He'll give you wisdom and discernment to understand the season and to know what you ought to do. So I hope this is uh, relevant for you? Yeah, God bless you. Oh, we've done that. <laughs> so because Samuel uh, uh, asked me to share the testimony, allow me to take five minutes as well to quickly share something about my life. I'm 33, and if you don't understand my accent, you can raise your hand. I'll repeat it. But thank you. Thank you, Pastor Ken. I appreciate that. I should speak with subtitles, right? Like we watch Netflix. <laughs> so uh, I was born in Romania in 1990. And for the first four years of my life, I lived with my parents. They were never married, still haven't been married. They're not even together now. Uh, it's been an abusive environment. My father went to prison a few times, uh, all sorts of abuse, drunkenness, all that. And at four years old, when my father went for the first time in prison, my mother took me, I was four and my sister one year old, to an orphanage where we grew up for the next 17 years of our lives. Uh, now, for me, that was a step up uh, in life, right? <laughs> so I know that, especially for those of you who have a bit more gray hair than I do, you remember those, those uh, things on telly, right, back in the day when they showed orphans in the orphanage. 
I was one of them. I didn't plan, but I could have shown you a picture of little old me. And yes, I was little, not like now. Uh, <laughs> uh, back in the orphanage. And at 12, I uh, gave my life to Jesus. Uh, at at uh, 15, I wanted to be baptized, but the Romanian government didn't let me to because I was sort of quite belonged to them. So at 18, I finally got baptized in water. Meanwhile, at 16, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and uh, experiencing His power in and through my life, through all sorts of things. Because, you know, the Holy Spirit is active, the Holy Spirit is working. And I want to remind you of this as well, you know. You're, you're not an empty vessel. You are filled with stuff. I always like to use the example, you're either a temple of the Holy Spirit or a tomb. And you know what lies in tombs. And we need to be people of life. And I believe, like uh, Samuel has said, and I know he didn't mean it in that way, but God can use anybody because he uses me. I was sharing this week, uh, these last few days, with some friends around, that I want my life to be so much about God that it's impossible for someone to know me and not see God in my life. Uh, and I, I had this sort of deal with God, that I want him to work so powerfully in me, and I want him to work so powerfully through me that no one can point to me for the success that uh, I might have or enjoy throughout my ministry. Then I came to Bible College where I met Samuel and Anna and Giuseppe <laughs> as well. And then after that, I uh, started to sort of grow in ministry. And for the past five years, I'm at what is called now Vision Church in Bromley. So if you're ever in the area, you're welcome. Uh, you'll be very uh, welcome. Then we would appreciate you to be with us. Amen. Yes. I want to read, thank you, I want to read today uh, a psalm, and this is Psalm 4. And I want to share with you a few things that I believe are very relevant to us today, because someone said that psalms are like a school of prayer. No matter what season it is that you're going through, there's always something in the psalms that speaks to you and speaks to us. And today, what I want to do is to uh, look at how David moved from a position of distress to a position of safety. He moved from distress to safety. So let's read Psalm 4. It's only eight verses. It says this, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O man, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer the right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. I read this little story by G.W. Target, which is called The Window. And in this story, he speaks about these two men who are both seriously ill in a small room of a great hospital. Now, this was a small room, so it was only the two of them. There were only two beds, two bedside lockers, a door opening onto the hall, and one window looking onto the world. One of the men, as part of his treatment, was allowed to sit up in bed for one hour in the afternoon 
It, had, it was something to do with the fluid from his lungs. And his bed was next to the window. But the other man had to spend all his time flat on his back. That was the reason why they were in this small room by themselves. And they were grateful for the peace and for the privacy, none of the bustle and the clutter of prying eyes on the general world for them. Of course, one of the disadvantages of their condition was that they were not allowed to do too much. No reading, no radio, certainly not Netflix. They just had to keep quiet and still, just the two of them. So they used to talk for hours about their wives, about their children, about their homes, their jobs, their hobbies, their childhood, even what they did during the war, and even about vacations and all sorts of things. And every afternoon, the man in the bed next to the window was propped up for his one hour, and he would pass the time describing what he could see outside. And the other man began to live for those hours. The window apparently overlooked a park with a lake where there were ducks and swans, children throwing them bread and sailing boats, and young lovers walking hand in hand beneath the trees, and people playing, and grass, softball, people taking their ease in the sunshine, and right at the back, over the fringe of the trees, a view of the city skyline. The man on his back would listen to all of this, enjoying every single minute. How a child ne nearly fell into the lake, or how beautiful the girls in their summer dresses were. There was an exciting ball game or a boy playing with his puppy. He, he got to the place where he could almost feel like he knows what it feels like to be outside because of the man who was telling him stories looking over the window. Then, one fine afternoon, when there was some sort of parade, the thought struck him. Why should that man next to the window have all the pleasure of seeing everything that was going on? Why shouldn't he get a chance? He felt ashamed, and he tried not to think like that, but the more he tried, the worse he needed a change. He thought, I'll do anything to be able to look over the window. In a few days, he had turned sour. It should be by the window, he thought. So as he was upset and he couldn't sleep, he grew even more seriously ill, which none of the doctors understood why. One night, as he stared at the ceiling, the other man suddenly woke up, coughing and choking, the fluid congesting in his lungs, his hands groping for the button that would bring in the night nurse. But the man, lying flat on his back, watched and did nothing. The coughing raked the darkness on and on, and then he choked off, and the sound of breathing stopped, and the man continued to just stare at the ceiling. In the morning, the day nurse came with water for their baths, and she found the other man passed away. They took, away, they took him away quietly with no fuss, and as soon as it seemed decent, the man asked if he could be moved onto the bed next to the window. And as they moved him, they tucked him in, they made him feel quite comfortable, and let him alone to be quiet and still. The minute they'd gone, he propped himself up on one elbow, painfully, and as he looked at the window, he saw a blank wall. And my question for us today is this. What is it that you see when you look at life? What is it that you see when you look at life.
No problem. Great. One, two. Must be good since I get the good mic. <laughs> so, <laughs> what is it that you see when you look at life? And I don't want to tell you to pretend that there's, there are no brick walls in our lives. But I want to encourage you, and if you allow me to challenge you this morning, is to look beyond the brick walls of our lives. Because I know that some of you are probably facing a brick wall right now. Right? You are poorly, you may be lacking in material things. Every door you open seems to be shut in your face. You worry about what people say to you. You worry about what people do to you. You worry about what people think of you. There's stress, there's anxiety, and you toil, and maybe you can't even sleep at night. Maybe you feel like you're going through the valley of the shadow of death in this season of your life. And my encouragement to you is the title of my sermon today is to just look up. Simply look up. And as you look up, I want to share three things. First of all, pray to God courageously. In verse 1 from our, from our psalm, David says, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You see, David prays to God courageously. He knows that God hears him, but he wants God to answer his call, to answer his prayer, to answer the cry of his heart. He prays expecting God to intervene in his situation. And it really does take courage to approach the king of kings. But as we see from David's answer and from his words, David's courageous prayer is based on the fact that God is his righteousness. That's why he can pray courageously. That's why he can approach the king of kings. He says, oh God of my righteousness, which by the way is the only time in the Bible where we see the title of God like this. In other words, David had such a personal relationship with God that he discovered that God is his righteousness. Whatever righteousness David had, it was not inherited but derived from his connection with God and from his identity in God. He is righteous because God made him righteous. And I want to encourage that every believer has the right to approach the king of kings. Every believer is invited by God, is encouraged, and dare I say, commanded by God to pray to him. One of the things I love is that there's no one in this room that invented prayer. I'm sure Samuel or Pastor Ken didn't wake up one day 30 years ago or 40 or 50 and say, you know what? Let's come up with the idea of prayer and let's encourage our congregation to pray. No, prayer is God's invention and it is for us and it is the way through which we can approach the King of Kings with our requests, with our heartache. Whenever we are in a tough season, God says, come before me because I am your righteousness, I am your father, I am your king and I welcome you. What a privilege we have. And yes, it is such an underused privilege. I often like to say, imagine if prayer actually works. Because I believe it does. We've heard testimonies of how God blessed this church. And I know he's going to continue to bless it in the seasons that, season that comes. Every believer has the right to approach God in prayer. And our right to approach the sovereign Lord is not based on any of our merits. And I would say that's a good thing. Because we have on and off days. God doesn't. God doesn't have a bad night, wakes up with his face on the pillow, and he's not in the mood for us. So every time we can approach the king of kings, and there's nothing that you could do or say to make you worthy of being heard by God. 
There's nothing that you could do to buy an audience with the King of Kings. There's nothing in your nature and being that impresses God so much that he has to listen to you. There's only one thing that gives us the right to be in, the, in front of the King of Kings, and that is Jesus Christ, our righteousness. It is because of Jesus that we have access to the throne of the King of Kings. There's only one thing that qualifies you and I to approach God, and that is Jesus Christ. Imagine a huge double door at the gates of heaven. I'm not just using gates of heaven, okay? You understand what I mean. And as you want to enter in, there are these two bouncer angels. The angels that worked out quite a bit. And they're asking you, what are you doing here? Why should we let you in? And the only thing you can say, the only thing I can say is this. I'm with him. As we point to Jesus and say, it's because of him that I have access in the kingdom of God. Courageous prayers become the norm when we know that Christ is our righteousness. Courageous prayers become the norm when we know that Christ is our righteousness. We can pray courageously and confidently because we know who Christ is. And we also remember what he's done in the past. He says, you have given me relief when I was in distress. How many of us can testify to this? God has given me relief when I was in distress, right? So many of us, I think every one of us could lift our hands. So we pray courageously and confidently because Jesus is my righteousness and because at some point in my past I have been in distress and God has intervened and because he intervened in the past, I know he can intervene now. So often we forget to look back in our past and say, God, you've done it before. This is why I know you can do it again. And sometimes fear seems to cripple us and sort of mute us and we're afraid of asking God to intervene again, but God is not tired. And he does not grow tired of intervening in your specific situations because he wants to help you and he wants to transform your life. Because he's done it again, he can do it now. And this word distress in the sound speaks about a tight space. Now I'm often in tight spaces in the airplane when I don't book the ticket in advance. That middle seat is a tight space, especially for someone like me. So my wife always gives me the seat next to the window or to the aisle. You see, but God gave David relief when he was in a tight place. The pressures of my life backed me in a tight place, but you, O oh Lord, says David, you have enlarged my territory when I was backed in a tight place. And I want to ask, are you in a tight place right now? Do you feel like you're paralyzed because of your circumstances? Whenever you look to the left and to the right, you see nothing. There's hopelessness, but have you looked up? Have you looked up and said, I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And if you are in a tight place right now, I know it's easy to look all around you and it seems like it's a dire situation. But I want to encourage you today to look up. Have you asked God to enlarge your life? 1 Chronicles 4.10 says this is the prayer of Jabez, which I know most of us know. Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your right hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And then he says what? And God granted what he asked. Again, imagine if prayer actually works. Because God wants to do more for us than we believe he, he wants to do. And prayer is the way we move God's hand over our situation. 
Prayer is the vehicle through which God can bring transformation in your life. So look up. Approach Him in prayer through Jesus' sacrifice because you know that He can step into your life and enlarge your territories. Second point, as you look up, trust in God consistently. And consistency is key. Right, verse 2 from, from 2 to 5 says, O man, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds at night. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in, in the Lord. And here's where we see David's lament. And what is interesting is that he is not directing these words to God, but to man. And there were people who through lies were attacking David's honor. And they were attacking David's glory. There were men who loved vain words. Men who were seeking after lies. Simply put, there were men who were idolatrous. But unlike many of us, David didn't use his lament as an excuse to complain. Or turn injust the injustice he was facing into opportunities for gossip. One of our attitudes as church members at Vision Church, we say we need to be a source of unity. In other words, I'm not going to be the person you feel comfortable to come to talk about someone else. And David didn't do that. What he did is that as he experienced the pain, as he experienced the injustice, he looked up before he looked around him to see who can I share this thing with. Because gossip can destroy the mightiest of relationships. And David didn't do that. The second point is trust consistently because you and I will always have ample opportunities to behave in ways that don't look like we trust God. You can see how desperate David was when he says, how long? <laughs> how long? How long will this take? How long will they attack? How long will they keep this up? How long will they bully me? How long, oh Lord? It is so difficult to trust God when we don't see a way out. It is difficult to trust God when it seems like evil is winning. And the thing is that instead of waiting on the Lord to answer the how long question, we answer it ourselves. And at best, we give ourselves an incomplete answer. And at worst, a very damaging answer because you and I have a very limited vision about what's happening around us until we look up. And in those moments, do not trust your own understanding, right? Trust in the Lord and do not rely on your own understanding. Because God has the bigger picture. And God can share that vision with your life. But are you willing to look up and trust Him consistently? Trusting God consistently means that we intentionally obey Him with our mind and with our heart. It's not hard for our minds and hearts to trust God when we are on the mountaintop of our lives. Of course, and do so, like enjoy the season. But trusting God consistently means that regardless of the season that we're going through, we hold on to what we know to be true about God and we speak to our hearts to trust in the Lord. Isn't this what David did all the time? Sometimes you need to tell yourself, trust in the Lord consistently. Look up. Simply put, we trust God consistently when we practice self-control, which, by the way, is a fruit of the Spirit. Because if you are rooted in intimacy with the Holy Spirit, you will naturally in time progressively bear the fruit. Part of it is self-control. In verse 4 it says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. 
Isn't it true that unless we know how to deal with anger, we'll only, it will always lead to sinning? It is when we're angry that we say what we shouldn't say. It is when we're angry that we do what we, what we shouldn't be doing. It is when we're angry that we think what we shouldn't think. It is when we're angry that we foster feelings that our hearts shouldn't host. They shouldn't be there. Someone hurts us, we hurt them back. Someone gossips about us, we look for an opportunity to gossip about them. Someone treats us unfairly, we take revenge. I always like to say that the cast for the Avengers has already been done and you're not part of it. The only one who can avenge us is God. Someone lies about us, we just look for dirt to expose them publicly. That is what it looks like to be angry and sin. But we are called to be angry and do not sin. Instead of pondering in our hearts, we lash out in pain or we lash out in anger. But the children of God learn to trust him consistently despite the pressures that they face. No matter where you go, you'll always be given chances to distrust God. H.B. Charles Jr. said, never let people make you act like you don't know Jesus. Never let people make you act like you don't know Jesus. So let me ask you, does your spouse make you act like you don't know Jesus? Do your children make you act like you don't know Jesus? Do your parents or relatives make you act like you don't trust Jesus? Do the circumstances of your life right now make you act like you don't know Jesus? And if you find it difficult to trust Jesus when you're in a tight spot or when you're under pressure, it could be that you have not yet fully believed what David says in verse 3, but know that the Lord has set the godly apart from himself. The Lord hears when I call him. God is not deaf. You see, when backed against the wall, David looks at those attacking me and he tells them, guys, you may think that you picked up a fight against me, but you're fighting against the Lord. These are the moments when we should rightly say, do not touch the Lord's anointed. Whenever someone picks a fight with you, they're picking a fight against God, especially when you find yourself on the way that God has for you, in the plan of God for your life. Whenever you pursue God's call, there will always be attacks, but know that God is for you and he's not against you, and people do not pick on you, they pick on God, and let's be honest, who wants to do that? I like when he says that we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us, and I always wonder, how does that work? I'm sure everyone loves Tyson Fury or AJ, right? One of them two guys, because they're British. But if you bring two boxers to fight, how can one be more than conqueror? I'll tell you how. When he doesn't fight. Because what we do in being more than conquerors is that we bring someone else to fight my battles and I get the belt. And through Christ, he steps into the ring of my life and fights the buffest of boxers. And he's going to win, he's going to knock them out, and then I get the glory in terms of the belt. And then I say, Jesus, I lay this down at your feet. So you are more than conqueror because you're not the one called to fight. And I know it's hard because <laughs> we want to say a few things and we want to do a few things. But in those moments, trust God consistently. Consistency is key. God called David by name. You remember when the prophet Samuel went and he asked Jesse, David's father, to line up all his children because one of them is going to be king. What his father does is that he brings all the sons apart from one. It's not the son you would bet on. 
to be the next king of Israel. If his father didn't believe in him, who would? And yet what happens is that even David's father looks at the height of the oldest and he's handsome and all that. And says he must be the next king of Israel. And through the prophet, God says, it's not him. I have chosen David, a man, after my own heart. That's what it means that God has set the godly apart. We are set apart for himself. And God doesn't look at us like people look at us. You may not have been chosen. Definitely I wouldn't be. I shouldn't do what I'm doing. I shouldn't have experienced all the great things I've experienced so far in my life. And the many that are still to come. But God chose me. God looked and he placed his hands over my life. Even before I was in the womb of my, fa- of my mother. He was there with me. He died for me before I even knew him. He loved me first. So God sets us apart for himself. You don't need people to, to um, build your identity upon. Because people waver. God doesn't. God is the same. Yesterday, today, and sometimes. No, like forever. Right? God, God doesn't change. God chose David for himself. And he was to represent God to his people. He was set apart for God's service and God's glory. Trusting in God consistently means that we have confidence that we are chosen by God. And that God hears when we call on him. The Lord hears when you call on him because you are chosen by him. And that gives me great confidence and courage. Here's an amazing lesson we learned from David's situation. David was in the right place. He was in God's will. David was under attack because he was in a tight spot. David was listened to by God. And I would lie to you if I told you that when you are in God's will... The enemy won't attack. I would lie to you if I told you that when you are in a tight place where God wants you to be, you won't be backed against a distressful place. I would lie to you if I told you that the fulfillment of God's will means the absence of pressures in life. But I am not lying to you when I tell you that the best place to be attacked in is the place where God has called you to fulfill his will. So if you're attacked, you might as well attack me in my father's house. Let's deal with it there. In other words, you cannot choose if or when you're attacked, but you can choose where you're attacked. So I'd rather the enemy look after me when I'm in my father's house. I'd rather the enemy look after me when I'm in my king's army. I'd rather him looking for me while I'm with my brothers and sisters at church or in home group. Attack me there and we can talk. But never give the the enemy an opportunity to attack you when you are like a sheep separated from the flock because then you are in distress, a tight spot where no one can intervene. Always be connected with spiritual leaders, with shepherds and brothers and sisters. And then you will be under attack, but you're never alone. The difference between those who are in God's will and those who aren't is not the absence of pressures, but the access to God's ear. The difference between those who are in God's will and those who are not is not the absence of pressures, but the access to God's ear. Not only that, but we need to remember that salvation is more than a ticket into heaven. Salvation is a call to mission. I always like to say, if salvation was all about heaven, I should have been in heaven when I was 13, about 20 years ago. What am I doing? What are you doing? Salvation is a call to mission. And the mission is to preach the gospel and make disciples. No matter who you are, 
no matter for how long you've been a Christian, no matter what role or title you hold in the church, you are called to the mission that God has for you. Preach the good news, make disciples. And as long as you are in the place that God called you to be, as long as you are in the place that God commissioned you to be in, trust Him consistently despite the attacks that you face. And finally, wait on God confidently. As you look up, wait on God confidently. Verse 6 says, there are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. David had so much confidence in God that he didn't need to give an answer to critics and haters and those who mocked him. Sometimes it's okay if you do not reply or if you don't send that message and if you don't post that comment on Facebook. It's okay. Just because some people demand that you do that, it doesn't mean you need to. It's not the face of our enemy that we need to look on, but the face of our Lord. And we ask that he shines his face, the light of his face upon us. If we spend too much time looking at our dire circumstances, we lose faith that things can get better. If your loved ones are unwell, ask God to lift the light of his face upon them. Ask God to lift the light of his face upon your family. Ask God to lift up the light of his face upon your workplace, upon your relationships, your marriage, your parenting. Ask God to lift up the light of his face upon the path that lies ahead of you as you take one step after another in his will. And as you wait on God confidently, ask him to lift up the light of his face upon your life and you will be blessed with joy and peace. Right? Verse 7, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. The truth is that we can find joy in wine and money and material things. There is some form of joy in those things. People have it. But what he says here is that the joy God gives me is more. I don't know how many of you want a bit like more joy. Because you may find some joy in the fact that maybe your bank account is quite safe. You don't need to pay ultra-low emission zone like I do in London, right? There's some safety in there. But do we want more joy? More joy in the Lord. The truth is that it is only in God that we can find joy. That's why if you remember the parable of the four soils, the, the seed that, that bird, the enemy, Satan steals, is the joy of salvation. In the moment you lose that, you'll feel like your life is meaningless hopeless and you have no purpose but we need to ask God to restore to us what the joy of my salvation and I would go so far as to say that we must learn to gratefully enjoy the things that God gives us in life so do not disregard them Naomi will tell you my wife will tell you that I think every single night when I lie in my head on the pillow I say God thank you so much for this bed and for the roof over my head I just say it it's natural, and because of my past, which you know a bit, I'm genuinely grateful. I'm grateful that I can pay my rent. I'm grateful that I can drive a car. I like my coffee machine. So I'm very grateful <laughs> for that as well. I'm grateful that after a few years of marriage, we managed to get a really nice bed. So we enjoy all those things. I'm grateful for our church. I'm grateful for my brothers and sisters. I'm grateful that I'm actually part of a great family. But then... Now I know you as well. Imagine how much more grateful I can be. And I believe that we must learn to be grateful and enjoy every single blessing of God in our lives. But David says, 
that the joy that God puts in his heart is more. That joy is more than the joy that he can get from the blessings of God. C.S. Lewis said, do not let your happiness depend on something you may lose. Do not let your happiness depend on something you may lose. I could lose my coffee machine, but I will never lose God. <laughs> Therefore, he is the source of my joy. Not only that, but he is also the source of my peace. Last verse, verse 8 says, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. And the key word is both. Because just because you can lie down, it doesn't mean you sleep in peace. Isn't that true? You can have the greatest of beds. We have a, a multi-award bed. But that's not why I sleep well. I used to sleep quite well even before that. I just have more comfort and space now. Because it is God who gives me sleep. It is God who gives me rest. It is him that is my rest. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And there's a kind of peace that he can give us that surpasses understanding. In other words, it doesn't make sense. You have no money and you are suffering and yet you have peace. That's why it surpasses understanding. It is a supernatural peace that God gives us, but we need to look up to him. In those moments, I look up and say, Lord, you are my peace. The only difference between a better bed and mattress is the comfort and space that I get. But God has always been my peace. Do not let your peace and joy depend on things that you can lose. It is only when you wait on God confidently that you can both lie down and sleep in peace. No bed on earth can give you peace. No mattress can give you peace. No blinds or curtains can give you the peace that you need. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. God alone can make you dwell in safety. You see, David moved from lament to safety because he looked up. And today I want to remind you, if you find yourself in a tight spot right now, look up and pray to God courageously. Trusting God consistently and wait on God confidently. Number 6, 24, 26 says this, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord makes his, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. It's okay if we pray for this in these few moments and then I will invite Samuel Lord, I want to say thank you for your word, first of all. I thank you for the powerful ways in which you have worked in this place throughout this time today, Lord. We thank you for the testimonies, Lord. We thank you for the great things that you've done in this church, Lord, in the past. And we thank you for the great things that lie ahead of us, Lord. And today I pray that, Lord, give us the courage to look up. Lord, I pray for those who truly are in a distressful place right now. Whether it's financially, whether it's uh, physical, whether it's mental as well. Lord, I pray that you will just reassure them, Lord, in a tangible way that you are there with them. And for those who don't, have, don't even have strength to look up, I pray that you gently just lift their heads up. That they may gaze on the beauty of the Lord and see that the Lord is for them. Today, Lord, I pray that we will trust you cons consistently, Lord. That we would pray courageously. 
that we would come before your throne, Lord, knowing that we can wait on our God with confidence that you will intervene in our situation. Lord, help us to not look around us at our circumstances, but to look up and to look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we all stand for a moment uh, as we're going to worship God. I just want to uh, take what just uh, Vlad was saying. And uh, maybe there is someone here, maybe you forgot that, the importance of looking up. Maybe you're wondering why I cannot find joy, why I cannot find peace. Well, I think God has reminded all of us today the importance of looking beyond our circumstances. Where is your joy coming from? Where is your peace coming from? Do you think that you will be at peace or joy when you will have a financial stability? Do you think that you will be at peace or joy when you can finally get the car that you love? Do you think that you will have peace and joy when you will finally get someone that you can marry and spend your life with? Do you think that you will get your peace and joy whenever you manage to get a promotion or that career going? All these things are good, but let your peace and joy come from the Lord. Let, let God be the source of all things. You know, when we put God, when we put God first in our life, all the other things fall into place. Because his plans are good, because he loves us. But do not forget to look up. To look at the source. Not at what he can give you or what he could do or could not do or whatever. But to look at him, just who he is. Our God, our Savior. And if you're here today and you're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you heard this morning and... In your heart, you're saying, I would love to be able to, to look up to God and to find that peace, to find that rest that until now I couldn't find in my life. In so many other things that I tried. Well, everything starts by entrusting your life to Jesus Christ. You can say, Lord Jesus, I want to believe in you. I'm going to repent of my way. I'm going to change the direction of my life. I want to walk with you. And when we do this, when we ask Jesus to come in our life and we ask with all our hearts, guess what? The Holy Spirit, God's presence, God himself comes in us. And you will be able as well to look at him. Because now you, you will be in a relationship with him. Your past is not going to count. Your past is going to be forgiven. No matter where you come from, what you've done. What you think you don't deserve or deserve doesn't matter. It matters now. If you're in a relationship with Christ, you can look up. So if that's you, just I would like to invite you to, to make this prayer in your life, with all your hearts, and say, Lord, would you come and change me? Lord, I want to follow you. Jesus, I want to follow you. Would you come? For, would you forgive my life? I want to walk with you. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And if you made that decision today, 
just want to invite you to approach me at the end of the service. If you want to talk to me, if you want to pr me to pray for you, just come. Feel free to come. <laughs> I don't bite. Just share, open up and say, yes, it was me. I made that decision. So dear God, we thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence among us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for how you really you are inviting us to look at you. You are the source of all the good things that we can experience in our life. We thank you, Lord God, because in you, in you we have all what we need in order to walk in this life on this earth, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, because you reminded us as well that you are the one who fights our battle. Lord God, help us. Lord God, intervene in the situations. And if there is anybody here who is right now struggling in a, in a particular situation, I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, uh, that this person may be able to find peace in you. May, may this person be able to really believe in you that you will give him or her a victory. So we thank you, Holy Spirit. We praise your name. You are great. And, and we thank you because we are precious to you. You gave your life for each one of us. You died on the cross for us. And we thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise the name of the Lord. Let's lift our voices. You know, let's say, thank you, Lord Jesus. You are good. Let's not be silent before our God. He is present here among us. Let's just praise His name. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. When was the last time you expressed your gratitude to the Lord? Hallelujah. There are so many things, so many things that we can be grateful. We can be say thanks to, the, to our God and imprimis the cross. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. We praise your name, Jesus. You are wonderful, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God. You are wonderful, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you because your plans are good. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus, because in you we have victory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's raise our voice. Don't be shy. Let's stretch your hand. Let's say thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Look up, look up, because God is with you. He has set you free today. Don't, turn, don't look back. Keep on walking. Keep on going with Him in the places, wonderful places He has prepared for you. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Well, have a great week. Thank you for joining us for church today. If you're new here today, don't run away. Just hang around with us for a coffee. Get to know us. Have some fellowship. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon, and God bless you.